We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be gathered here in your presence. We give you all the honor, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. As we are gathered here, Lord, we pray that we are not gathered unto any man, but we are gathered unto you. Speak to us, Lord. Transform our lives in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So, three weeks ago, three weeks ago, we started a series on um, righteousness. And I just want to give a, a recap. So I was telling Lily that I feel I should have taken my time last week because I read a lot of scriptures last week. Um, I'm not sure if the point was clear, but the first week, the point I was trying to make is why we need righteousness. And last week we were able to establish that God created us in his own image. But after the fall, that is two weeks ago, we established that God created us in his own image. But after disobedience and after the fall of man, that righteous nature, that image that God gave us was corrupted. And so it created the need for righteousness. And we understand that righteousness The Bible says that out of the mouth of babies, God has ordained strength. And so as we are gathered here, God, you know that the word of God is true. And he has ordained strength in the mouth of these children. Yeah, so we pray that we'll get our new church and that we'll get a children's church. <laughs> we'll get a children's church very soon. I know I, I have been quite busy and not going about and doing the search but we, we hope that we get the children's church very we get the church and then a place for the children as well very soon so i was saying that i'm god the the need for righteousness was created when man fell or what man disobeyed god and then righteousness is a gift that was the point i was trying to make last week that righteousness is a gift that god has given us and so, we do not do anything to end that gift. It is a free gift that God has given us, and therefore we must receive that gift. Today, the point I want to make is simple. That even though we have received the gift of righteousness, we are supposed to walk in righteousness. And so I want to start from our uncle scripture. From the part from three weeks ago, our anchor scripture was Second Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty-one. The Bible says that for He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. And so our righteousness is the righteousness of God. The righteousness that we have is not our own righteousness. And so when I stand before God, God does not see me as Robert's coming in his own righteousness. But God sees the righteousness of, of God himself. He sees his own nature himself as God and his righteousness that he has given to me. 
And so the righteousness that we possess as believers doesn't come from the good things that we do. The good things that we do is because of the nature that we have. And that is the righteous nature. So every righteous deed, every good deed, every deed that you do because you are a believer, those deeds do not make you righteous. Those deeds only express your nature, who you are. And so if I, if I show any kindness to some people, people who I need, if I walk in purity, if I, I avoid sin, if I forgive people, if when people forgive, people do wrong things against me, I forgive them. If I stretch out a hand of help to those who are in need, if I fast, I pray, I have fellowship with God, I study the Bible, I go out for evangelism, all those things that I do, do not make me righteous. They do not earn me any they, they have absolutely no merit towards righteousness. But I do all those things because of the gifts that I've received from Christ. And so some people, whenever you preach the doctrine of righteousness, some people think that because it is a free gift, then we can live anyhow. Or because it's a free gift, then we don't have to do anything. But that is not it. We have to live our lives like people who have received Jesus Christ. But we should know that every good thing that we do, everything that in our eyes is, we call a righteous act or a righteous deed, those things do not make us righteous. So last week we said that Abraham believed God and was accounted unto him for righteousness. All that Abraham did was to believe God and God accounted that unto him for righteousness. And so the righteousness that we have is by faith. Amen. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 and 17. Paul says that, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. First, for the Jew first and also the Greek. For in the righteousness, for in it. The righteousness of God is revealed. I want you to take note every scripture that I project, every scripture that we read. I want you to take note of the righteousness of God. Any time in the Bible, most of the times or several times in the Bible, when the Bible is making reference to our righteousness, it calls it the righteousness of God. So when we stand before God, we do not go with our own righteousness. With our own righteousness, we cannot qualify to stand before God. And so it is the righteousness of God, which is far higher, of a better quality, than our own, right, our own righteousness, which has been given to us. And so when we stand before God, we have the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And so the first scripture that I read says that, For he made him to be sin, who knew no sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so when we stand before Christ, God when we stand before God, God has qualified us to have the measure of his righteousness, the righteousness of God, which we cannot end. We cannot end that by our, by our own deeds. But we have received the righteousness of God. Every one of us who is a child of God, we have received God's righteous nature. 
Amen. And we have to be excited about that. That we don't go into heaven in our own righteousness. Our own righteousness will be inferior. Our own good deeds. The Bible says even our good deeds is like a filthy rag. Comparing our own good deeds, which we will call our own righteousness through works, to the righteousness of God, our righteousness will be inferior. And so it's better for us to accept the free gift of righteousness, which is the righteousness of God, which qualifies us to go before the presence of God. And so Paul, in the book of Romans, says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it is the righteousness of God revealed. Again, Paul is saying that the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. Paul says that he's not ashamed of the gospel. The reason why there is the tendency to, to be ashamed of the gospel is that for as far as the Greeks were concerned, when they talk about a, a savior, when they talk about a leader, they want somebody who is strong, somebody who is going to lead them into battle. They were not expecting a leader or a messiah to be somebody who would lay down his life and die on the cross. So to them, that was unacceptable. To them, no leader, no messiah should die. But a leader and a messiah should lead his people to battle. Should be there to command them and instruct them on what to do. And so to them, that's why Paul says that to them, the gospel is foolishness. But to us, it is the power of God unto salvation. And so Paul says that I'm not ashamed. Even though the, the culture that Paul lived in at the time had the tendency to make him ashamed of the gospel, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And he says that the power of God to deliver man from sin, the power of God to deliver man from the lust of the flesh, from the lust of the eye, from, the, from sickness, and from every attack of the enemy, the power of God unto salvation is in the gospel. And so the gospel that we preach has the power to bring salvation. Salvation is deliverance from sin, deliverance from Satan, deliverance from sickness. And so the, the, the Bible says that, uh, uh, from, from Romans, Paul says that I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. And so when you want to identify the power that God uses to deliver man, then it's in the gospel. All of us became part of the body of Christ through the gospel. We all had the message preached and we gave our lives to Jesus Christ. So Paul says that in the gospel, there is power to bring deliverance to people. So he says it is the power of God unto salvation, first to the Jews and then to the Greeks. Jesus Christ came preaching to the Jewish people. But after the death of Jesus Christ, he told his disciples, to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. And so he included everyone. Nobody was taken out in the preaching of the gospel. Nobody was taken out in receiving the deliverance that comes from preaching the gospel. For Paul says again that for in it is the righteousness of God revealed. In it, here he's saying that in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. When we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, we heard the gospel, we believe, we have faith, and we accepted Him. And so our journey as believers has to continue through faith and ends with faith. 
And so Paul says that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It means that our faith in God is what keeps us and what, what must continue to keep us until the end. Our journey as believers began in faith. And our journey as believers must continue in faith and will, must end in faith. And so our right, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It means that you need faith to experience the righteousness of God. You need faith to receive the righteousness of God. And so through our faith in Christ Jesus, we have received the righteousness of God. Of God and it will take faith for us to continue to walk in righteousness and so sometimes you wake up and you might not feel like you are righteous maybe you got angry maybe you said something and because of that the devil tells you that you are not righteous you must know that you have received the gift of righteousness it is a gift that has been given to you and by faith you must walk in that gift not to say that you have to continue to live carelessly not to say that you have to continue to allow sin to take dominion over you, but you must understand that your righteousness comes from God and is by faith. Amen. Now, the point that I want to make today, okay, that will be the last three, I mean, the last three slides that I'll share. The major point that I want to make today is that righteousness brings a responsibility on us and we have a responsibility to exhibit or to walk in that righteousness. And so if our righteousness is a gift, it's a gift from God, and our righteousness comes through faith, then Paul writes in Romans chapter 3, where is boasting? Can we boast that we are righteous? Can we brag that we are righteous and we have fasted 21 days, or we have fasted 40 days, or we have given to the poor? We are the ones who always give to the poor or meet the needs of people in our environment, in, in, our, uh, in our communities. Paul says, where is boasting then? If the righteousness is a gift, is a righteousness is by faith, then where is our, where do, why do we have to boast? Is there any reason why we have to boast concerning righteousness? Paul says, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No by the law of faith. Because the righteousness that we have is by faith. We have nothing to boast about when it comes to righteousness. And so I know that in the eyes of men, some people have been designated as more holy than other people. In the eyes of men, there are some people when you see them, you say, these people are holy people. And you think about other people or other believers as less holy believers. You know, sometimes you can think there are people who, I don't want to mention names, but there are people who occupy certain positions and they are seen as very holy people than other people. Maybe because of something that they have, um, they have done or maybe an oath that they have taken. So people see them and say, oh, these people are holy people. And these other people, they are not so holy. They are trying to be holy. But that's not how God sees us. In the eyes of God, all of us have received all of us who believe in Jesus Christ have received the gift of righteousness. And so the one who fasts or the one who has taken an oath is no more righteous than the one who has not taken an oath. Because all of us, when we stand before God, we stand before Him with the righteousness of God which has been given to us through Christ Jesus. Every one of us, 
is in a relationship with God. Not because of any good thing that we have done. Not because of our fastings. Not because of the number of hours we spend praying. Not because of the number of hours we spend studying the Bible. But because of what Jesus Christ did for us. All of us, when we go before God, we are righteous. We don't go in our own righteousness. No matter who you are or what you have done. You cannot go to God in your own righteousness. You do not qualify. Your own righteousness will not qualify you to go before God. But, and, and that is why we don't have to boast. And that is why we don't have to look down upon any person who Jesus Christ died for. Who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. There might be believers who are struggling with sin. But that does not mean that the righteousness that God has given um, other people are more righteous than they are. Because every one of us has received a gift of righteousness. God has deposited the Holy Spirit in us to help us to walk in line with what we have received. The righteousness of God that we have all received. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, it says, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the Lord. And so all of us were justified by our faith in Christ Jesus. Not by any good deeds that we have done. Not by any good deeds that anyone else has done on our behalf. But we are justified by faith alone in Christ Jesus. By faith alone in Christ Jesus, we qualify to go before the presence of God. By faith alone in Christ Jesus, we qualify to call ourselves children of God. By faith alone in Christ Jesus, we have an inheritance in heaven with the Father. By faith alone in Christ Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. It is by faith alone. Amen. And when we say by faith alone, we are not saying that your your actions shouldn't matter. As, like I said last week, that we are going to receive a reward for every good deed that we do. The Bible tells us that we all have to come before the judgment seat of Christ and our works are going to be reviewed. The Bible also tells us that some of the works will go through fire. And if your work is bent when it goes through fire, then you will stand a loss. And so our works are important. When you read the letters that God, um, Christ gave to the churches in Revelations, one of the things that he kept re repeating to the churches is, I know your works. I know your works. Yes, you have the gift of righteousness. Yes, you have received the righteousness of God. But your works as a believer is important. Because Christ kept telling the churches, I know your works. I know your works. I know your all the churches that he wrote the letters to. All the seven churches in Revelation, he reminded them that I know your works. And so once you understand the doctrine of righteousness as a gift, as God's righteousness that has been imputed upon us, that has been given to us, then you have the consciousness of who you are, your righteous nature. So once you are conscious that you are, you are no more a sinner, but you are righteous, then you walk like somebody who is righteous. You see, as soon as you say that, I am a sinner. If you are a sinner, if you accept that you are a sinner, then you wouldn't care if you commit one more sin because you already think to yourself that you are a sinner. 
But if you think to yourself that, no, I am not a sinner. I am the righteousness of God. And because I am the righteousness of God, when I find myself in a sin, I know that I don't belong in that place. Why? Because I am righteous. And so when I find myself in a place that I shouldn't be, that is not my place. I'm a foreigner to sin. And therefore, <laughs> don't have to do that to us. <laughs> I'm a foreigner to sin. And therefore, I don't have to continue to live in sin. Amen. And so once you understand the doctrine of righteousness, it is not a freedom to live in sin. But rather, it's an inspiration to live a holy life. Amen. Understanding that righteousness is a gift should inspire you to be a better Christian. It is not a license to live a careless life or to live in sin. So Romans chapter 6 verse 15 says, What shall we, what then, Romans chapter 6 verse 15 says, What then shall we continue to sin because we are no more under the law but under the grace? So Paul had established from Romans chapter 1 the need, uh, the, the need for righteousness. First, he wanted everybody to understand that in our own strength we are all sinners. He says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but the free gift that was given to us has given us justification. We are not under the law, but through faith we have accepted Jesus, we have um, received the righteousness of God. And so after establishing this point, he then goes to ask the church. So because we are no more under the law, but under the grace, should we continue to live in sin? Then he answers and says, certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself to obey, you are that one's slave whom you obey, whether sin, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. And so he's telling the church that when you give yourself to sin, you become a slave to sin. But when you give yourself to obedience, you become a slave to righteousness. As a matter of fact, Paul says that, but let me read further. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered, which to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. And so Paul is saying that you are now slaves of righteousness. And he's even pointing out that this is not so good an example. This is not the best example I can give. But I have to come down to your level so that you will understand. So he says that you have, now that you have submitted yourself unto God, you have become slaves of righteousness. And he says, this is not the best term. This is not the best way to explain this. In verse 19, he says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of, of your flesh. He says, because of the weakness, of, and he's not referring to us here. He's referring to the people he wrote the letter to. I know how sometimes people read the Bible and they take everything and apply it to themselves. He's saying that because of the weakness of their flesh at that time, he could not break down this explanation to them properly. And so he's saying that, okay, this is how I can explain it. 
When you give yourself to sin, you become a slave to sin. But when you give yourself to righteousness, you become a slave to righteousness. For just as you present your members as slaves of uncleanliness, of which, sorry, and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. And so Paul had already told the church that, oh, you have received the gift of righteousness. You are the righteousness of God. And now he's warning them that because you are the righteousness of God, because you are no more under grace, I know how people have over-exaggerated the preaching of grace to make people think that because of grace, we don't have to live a holy life or we, don't, we just have to live our lives carelessly because God has given us grace. But Paul... Yeah, Paul, after explaining this to the church, he told them that, so now, because there is grace, that does not mean that we have to continue to sin. Because if you give your body, if you give your members, if you give your brain, if you give your voice, if you give your eyes to sin, you become a slave to sin. And that is why when sometimes people give themselves to certain bad habits, they become addicted to those habits. And even when they want to be set free from those habits, they cannot be set free. Even when they feel like not doing those things, because they have become addiction, it has become an addiction, they have become slaves to that particular bad habit. And even when they cannot, at that point, they cannot use their own will to set themselves free because they have given themselves to a bad habit. And this is, I mean, this is one way which I can explain explain being a slave to sin and Paul says that we should rather present our body or present ourselves our members our members here means we should present our body as slaves of righteousness everything that we do on earth that is not um, pleasing in God's eye our members are involved our body is involved our mind, our spirit, our hands, our mouth, our eyes, our legs, our hands. And so Paul says we should present these members that we have received as instruments of righteousness, which leads into holiness, which leads into us presenting ourselves to God as people who have been set apart. Amen. And so Paul is reminding the church that even though I have told you that your righteousness is a gift, it does not mean that you should continue to live in sin. It does not mean that you should present your body as instrument of sin, but rather present your body as instrument of righteousness. And in, that do, in doing that, you present yourself as people who God has given the righteous nature, and therefore people who are walking in line with the new nature. And so after this, Paul went down to explain to the church in Romans chapter 12 how they are supposed to live their lives among, amongst themselves, even amongst unbelievers. In verse 9 in Romans chapter 12, he says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. As believers, we are supposed to abhor what is evil. We have come to a place where there is so much tolerance for sin because we want to tolerate other people we want other people to have their opinion, to do what they, 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 um, they want to do with their lives. And so we sometimes 
celebrate sin or we sometimes allow sin to thrive as believers, even in the church sometimes. You know, you don't, because you don't want to offend people, when somebody is doing something that is wrong, you are not able to even pre, uh, um, com, um, approach the person and have a conversation with the person. Lead the person in the way of the gospel because we are coming into a culture where we don't want to offend anybody. And so we say that, oh, everybody is accepted. Everybody can live their life. I don't want to, I don't want to say something that will offend anyone. I just want to accept them, whatever view they have, whatever lifestyle they want to live. I just want to accept them because I don't want to offend them. And sometimes they can even use the scripture to back it. But that's not what the scripture teaches us. Jesus Christ is the one who presented grace to us and he's also presented truth to us. And so the Bible says, in his fullness have we received grace for grace. And so Jesus Christ came preaching truth and express and, and living a life of grace or extending grace. And so if you say that I'm extending grace, I'll just leave them as they are. I won't approach them. I won't confront them. I won't tell them. I just want to be nice to them. I'll continue to be nice to them. And you never tell them truth. Then you are not living the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ lived a life of truth and grace. As believers, we have to be gracious to people, gracious to sinners, but we have to be truthful to them. The Bible tells us that when we find somebody who is in sin, we should correct the person in love. It doesn't say we should leave the person and leave them as they are. He says correct them in love. And so correcting somebody in love is not a sin. The world has made it look like Oh, when you are somebody who, <laughs> yeah. when you are, you are, when you try to correct somebody in love, then you are judging that person. You are saying that you are better than that person. But the Bible admonishes us that when we see somebody in sin, we correct the person in love. Amen. Amen. The, 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 the danger here is sometimes you also, in our bid to correct other people, we might not be doing it in love, which it's where we also have to straighten ourselves. And so I also see other believers who want to correct other people and they want to, you know, they are not doing it in love. They just want the people to feel like you are a sinner. You cannot, you see, and that also is not the character of Jesus Christ. When the, Jesus Christ saw the woman who was caught in adultery, he told the, he told the woman, if nobody condemns you, I also do not condemn you. But go and sin no more. So he, he showed grace. I will not condemn you. But go and sin no more. Today the world has left the go and sin no more. And has stuck to. We are not condemning anybody. Let everybody do what they want. But we have to tell people. That yes you are not condemned. But don't continue to practice a sinful life. Amen. Amen. That was just diversion. But let me come back here. So, above what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving God, rejoicing in hope. Sorry. So, this is now Paul instructing the believers. Sometimes people read the book of Romans and it's as if they don't see this part. After Paul had told them that righteousness is a gift, 
He gives them instruction on how to live amongst themselves. He says, be kind, be hospitable, love people, be steadfast, be diligent. Let me just read. Let me just read here. No, in hope. Patience in tribulation, continue steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, giving to hospitality. All these instructions are in the Bible. Giving to the needs of the saints, giving to hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless those, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things. But associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Repay no evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible. Oh no, I think I've skipped. I'm sorry. If it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So Bible says that as much as it depends on us, we should live peaceably with everyone, with all men, with people who accept our teachings, people who don't accept our, te- our teachings, people who have a different worldview. Bible says as much as it depends on us, we should live peaceably with all men. We shouldn't be the ones who are causing confusion, causing misunderstanding wherever we are found. We should be the people who bring peace. We should be, be the ones who try to live in peace, even with people who oppose our gospel. That is what the Bible teaches us. And so after everything Paul had told the church, he now reminds them that, listen, what I have taught you so far does not set you free from living a good life. That reflects who Jesus Christ is. And so he says, beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to the wrath to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. I've had people also do goods to their enemy. They do good things to their enemy just because they want to heap coals of fire on their enemy. But that's not... <laughs> That's not what the Bible teaches us. <laughs> so, the Bible says, if your enemy is thirsty, give them a drink. For you so do you heap. If this is only your focus for doing good, you have also missed the point. You have to do good out of a good heart. It is not in your, What Paul was telling the church is that it is not in your place to avenge. Don't take vengeance against anyone. Just do good to people. Even your enemies, do good to them. And God is the person who is going to avenge even don't keep your eye on the vengeance. If you love a person and the person goes wrong, somebody hates you but you love the person, you want to be able to bring back the person into the right place, into the light. And so your, in your heart, your mind shouldn't be that, I'm just waiting for God to avenge me against this enemy of mine. I'm waiting for God's vengeance to come upon this person because I don't like him. That shouldn't be in your heart. In your heart, just do good. Love the people. But God knows the point where the person's sin will, will be full or will meet the measure where the person deserves um, God's vengeance or God's punishment. So our place, our position in, in the whole of this matter is 
just to be good to the people. Be kind to them. Give them food when they are hungry. Give them water when they are thirsty. Bible says, in so doing, you make way for the vengeance of God. But that shouldn't be your focus for doing good. It says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so when people treat you wrongly, the Bible expects that as a believer, you are still kind to them. And I'm not saying that this is easy. It is not easy to see somebody who has really done you evil. And the Bible says you should be kind to them. Sometimes you go into a situation, people have offended you. You wish you can do something. You, you are finding it hard to forgive them. That is where we all have to go before the Holy Spirit and ask Him for help. So once we read the Bible and we know this is what God expects us to do, but we realize that in our own strength we cannot do it, let's just, let's just go before God and say, God, help me to forgive this person. Holy Spirit, help me to be able to forgive this person. Help me to be able to do good. And God is patient with us. He will help us. Bible says we should overcome evil with good. The Bible also tells us that offenses will come. People will offend us. But as people offend us, let's find a place in our heart. Or let's allow the Holy Spirit to work in our heart so that we can forgive people who offend us. Because again, we should remind ourselves that we are righteous. And as righteous people, we cannot hold grudges against people. As righteous people, we cannot think evil because we are conscious of our righteousness. We are ready to forgive other people because we are conscious of our righteousness. Even when people are fighting and cursing and people are um, insulting us and doing all those things, because of the nature of righteousness, we want to be good to them. That is what the Bible expects from us. And God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us to do that. In our own flesh, in your flesh, when somebody slaps you, you want to slap the person back. When somebody does something to you, you want to be able to increase what the person has done to you and give it back to the person. But that is not the nature of Christ. That is not the righteous nature. And so when we go into situations where we find it difficult to express the righteous nature, we just have to rely on the help of the Holy Spirit. God has given the Holy Spirit to us to help us. Amen. My last point for today, Paul told the Galatian church, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. This church was going back to observing the law, thinking that in observing the law, they will become righteous. And today we have a lot of believers who are in that same place, who think that, oh, let me fast so that I'll become righteous. Let me do these good things so that I'll become righteous. And sometimes they bring themselves again under bondage because your righteousness does not depend on those good things. So Paul is saying that Christ has made you free from the requirements of the law. In those days, they were supposed to observe all the requirements of the law before they can have a relationship with God. But now Christ has made you free. And therefore, Bible says that stand in the liberty, stand in the freedom that Christ has given you. And do not entangle yourself again with the yoke of bondage. That is the yoke of the law. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And the reason why Paul used circumcision here is because people were telling the Galatian church to go and be circumcised before they can... They can become children of God. And Paul says that, listen, if you go back to circumcision, 
observing the law of circumcision is useless. Christ, you don't have the benefit of the righteousness of Christ if you want to observe the law to become righteous. And he says again, to every man who becomes circumcised, that he's a debtor to keep all the laws. So he's saying that if you want to keep only one of the laws, that is circumcision, it's not enough. You have to go back and observe everything that is written in the law. He says you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law. This is so important. He says that when you, you attempt to be made righteous by the law, you are cut off from Christ. You are cut off from the grace that is in Christ. Again, he says, you have... You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. And so if you attempt to be justified by your own good deeds, you are missing the point that grace has made available. You are missing the benefits that grace has made available. You are fallen from grace. You know how sometimes we use this expression? So those, but, but what it means is that those who seek to be justified by the law, they are missing out on grace. They are missing out on what has been made available through grace. And so we should accept the gift of righteousness. We should accept the righteousness of God, which is superior than our own righteousness. But even as we have accepted the righteousness of God, which is superior than our own righteousness, we have to walk in that righteousness. Amen. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for today. We give you praise, Lord. We receive the gift of righteousness. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you yourself will continue to teach us about the doctrine of righteousness. Let us walk in this understanding. Let our life reflect who Jesus Christ is. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.